Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Teacher Talk with Zach Clancy. I'm Zach Clancy. Each episode, we'll be looking at different aspects of the personal learning communities utilized by educators. This week, we're going to be exploring personal learning networks in particular. In a nutshell, personal learning networks, or PLNs, are the things that teachers do and the people who they talk to and how they talk to them in order to learn what they need to know to improve their quality of teaching, in order to meet the needs and skills of their students, as well as meeting any requirements put in place by school administrators or by governmental bodies. This episode, I'm going to tell you about this guy named Stafford Beer, and this idea he developed called the Viable System Model, or VSM. I'm also going to explain how the VSM is related to personal learning networks, because I'm guessing at this point in the podcast, some of you are wondering how those two things have anything to do with each other. And just as a side note, if you read the episode's full title, then you already know, this episode is a two-parter. So the first part is going to focus on Stafford Beer's life and the general design of the viable system model, as well as some of the background information on cybernetics. Whereas the next episode is going to look at the mechanics and the application of the VSM. Trust me, this topic can be a bit tough to digest, so sometimes it's better to get it in smaller bite-sized pieces. Before we delve into the details of Stafford Beer and the Viable System Model, it's time for Collaboration Corner. This week's shout-out goes to NewbieTrainers.com. It's a website that offers training to inexperienced people who want to teach or instruct digital learning experiences. The website is getting a facelift right now, but you can still check it out and fill out a survey if you're interested in learning more about digital learning environments. You'll also be entered into a raffle to win a prize worth $350. Check it out at newbietrainers.com, which is linked in the show notes along with my contact information, as well as the sources from this episode. Stafford Beer was a really interesting guy. In addition to creating the concept of cybernetic management and the viable system model, which are two things we'll talk about in just a minute, he was also a published poet, a yoga instructor in the 1970s when it was still relatively new to the Western world, and he painted paintings that were displayed in prominent venues. Before we go any further... I'd just like to mention that Stafford Beer is probably my favorite historical figure. When I was getting my master's degree, I wrote a term paper that was ostensibly about the politics of the Chilean social economy in the early 1970s, but it was basically a biography of Stafford Beer. I got an A on the term paper, and then a semester or so later, I edited it down from a 30-page term paper into a 7-page conference paper. 
and it won an award for best overall paper at the conference. When I applied for my doctoral program, I submitted a revised draft of the conference paper as my writing sample, and I got into the program. And as longtime listeners of the show will know, the first episode of Teacher Talk was almost about Stafford Beer. So with that said, I'm going to be doing a lot of this from memory. I'll try to cite sources when I can, but I might just have to upload my term paper to the Teacher Talk website because that has an inclusive list of all the sources I will be citing in today's episode. Moving on, Stafford Beer was born outside of London on September 25th, 1926. He joined the army during World War II, and afterwards he was stationed in India, where he was in charge of soldiers who could not do simple two-digit addition math problems on a piece of paper with a pen or pencil, but who could do complex math problems in their heads to determine the odds of a bet on a horse race. Beer also first became introduced to Eastern spiritualism while in India. It's also when Beer encountered yoga for the first time. And this was at a time when yoga was basically unknown in the Western world. As a side note, there's an interesting relationship between cybernetics and New Age spiritualism. I've been vaguely aware about the relationship for years, but I'm still not sure how I feel about it. It's definitely something I'd like to explore more, but it's something that, as of a few years ago, there was very little research about. So it might have to be original research. But it's definitely something I could explore in future episodes. Anyway, by 1950, Stafford Beer was out of the army and working as a manager in the British steel industry. This was also the year that he received a book about cybernetics. While Beer was climbing the managerial ladder within the steel industry, he was also writing about and making innovations within the field of cybernetics. While Stafford Beer didn't coin the term cybernetics, Norbert Wiener, the guy who did invent the term, wasn't opposed to Beer's definition of cybernetics as the science of communication and control in the animal and the machine. And it's important to note that in this context, control doesn't mean making someone else submit to your will. It more refers to the way your body can control its temperature to a certain extent by sweating if you're too hot or shivering if you're too cold. It's basically referring to internal regulation. One of Beer's most significant contributions to the field of cybernetic management was the concept of the algeodonic loop or algeodonic feedback, which is based on Ross W. Ashby's invention called the homeostat. The physical construction of Ashby's homeostat is not as significant as the cybernetic idea that it represents, homeostasis, which Beer defines as the capacity of a system to hold its crucial variables within physiological limits in the face of unexpected disturbance or perturbation. A common example of homeostasis 
is the household thermostat. Imagine you set your thermostat to 68 degrees Fahrenheit. If the thermometer reads a temperature higher or lower than 68 degrees, perhaps because someone turned on the oven or opened a window that let in cold winter air, the thermostat will engage or disengage the heater to maintain a 68 degree temperature. Beer expanded on Ashby's idea of homeostasis through the concept of the algeodonic loop or algeodonic feedback. The algeodonic loop functions by way of a dichotomy of punishment and reward. The name derives from Greek, algo meaning pain and hedos meaning pleasure. Beer also created a device that taught children how to solve algebraic equations, even though the children lacked the language of mathematics. And he did this by ways of buzzers to represent the infliction of discomfort and flashing lights to represent enjoyment. The example that Beer provides in the book Brains of the Firm is perhaps easier to understand. Beer gives the example of a person training a dog. The trainer does not understand how the dog works, and the dog does not understand human speech. But by punishing undesirable behavior and rewarding desirable behavior, the person's training endeavors create an algeodonic mode of communication between the two systems. In this case, the person and the dog are the two systems. Neither one of them speak each other's language, but they are nonetheless able to communicate with each other. There are a couple of reasons why I'm mentioning algeodonic feedback. First, it's because Beer invented an electronic game to teach kids math in the 1960s. Today, we might not think twice about letting a student use an iPad or a computer to play games designed to teach them math. But when Beer created his device, it was so far removed and so far ahead from the mainstream educational innovators that were making contributions to the field of education at the time. The second reason why algeodonic feedback is important is because it plays a significant role in Beer's viable system model. Stafford Beer based his viable system model on a five-tier system. The names he gave to the five tiers are implementation for the first tier, coordination for the second tier, control for the third tier, intelligence for the fourth tier, and policy for the fifth tier. The first tier, implementation, is responsible for products or services implied by the organization's identity. The organization's products and services are produced at different levels of aggregation by its embedded primary activities. And that was how Beer defined it. And it's important to remember that he was defining this from the perspective of a manager in the steel industry, uh, a relatively high up manager towards the end. So, but it still applies to the creation of personal learning networks. So an example of this that might happen as a part of a personal learning network is, for example, 
going to teacherspayteachers.com to look for lesson plans that are centered around topics that interest your students. Or going on Twitter to ask a question about the practicality of iPads in a kindergarten class. Or participating in a Google Hangout session to discuss classroom time management. Coordination, the second tier of Beers VSM, was in place to coordinate the interfaces of its value-adding functions and the operations of its primary subunits. Coordination is necessary between the value-adding functions as well as between the embedded primary activities. So that was a mouthful, but in personal learning network terms, that might include the self-control to not download and read every interesting free lesson plan on Teachers Pay Teachers. Because you're getting the lesson plans to help you improve the quality of your teaching and improve the quality of education that your kiddos receive. But if you're constantly bombarding yourself with new lesson plans, you're not going to have a chance to mentally digest and process the information in the lesson plans. So you're not going to be able to reap their benefits. And as a result, you're not going to be able to improve the quality of education that you deliver to your students. So the purpose of uh, coordination is to maintain balance between the activities that you do to improve your teaching. Control is the third tier because although effective use of the communication channel can considerably lessen the requirement for supervisory control, Two-way communication between subunit and meta-level unit remain a prerequisite for viability. So again, that's a mouthful, but basically what it's saying is that the third tier is responsible for supervising actions between the subunits, the first level, the implementation level, and the second level, the meta-level, or the coordination level. And this step will also make a little more sense once we've discussed the fifth level. Intelligence is the fourth tier, and its purpose is the two-way link between the primary activity, so that's all the lower tiers in the system we've discussed this far, and its external environment. Intelligence is fundamental to adaptivity because it provides the primary activity with continuous feedback on marketplace conditions, technology changes, and all external factors that are likely to be relevant to its future. And it's pro it projects the identity and message of the organization into its environments. So I know that's a lot to take in. And also keep in mind that this was designed for a business sector application. However, nonetheless, it definitely has educational applications as uh, made evidence by these sources that I cited in the last episode of Teacher Talk. Anyway, the fourth tier is also a level that will make a little bit more sense once we've discussed the fifth and final tier. And so policy is what the fifth tier is called. And it bears a longer explanation because it provides closure to the entire system and ensures its recursive nature. So recursivity is an important part of cybernetic management and the viable system model. 
And unfortunately, it's not something that we're going to have time to talk about in this episode, but it's definitely something I will be explaining in part two of this episode. So with that said, this function policy gives closure to the system as a whole, and it's highly selective in the information it receives. The selectivity is largely achieved through the activities and the interactions of the third and fourth tiers. And the main roles of policy are to provide clarity about the overall direction, values, and purpose of the organizational unit, and to design, at the highest levels, the conditions for organizational effectiveness. The fifth tier functions as a final sanity check against directions, values, and purpose after extensive debates and decisions have been carried out within and between the third and fourth tiers. So this is sort of the higher level executive functioning aspect of the viable system model. And it's important to note that I feel like this level of the model is one that has fairly direct applications to education in general. You know, so this is thinking about the personal learning network that you're creating. What is the purpose of it? What am I trying to get out of it right now in the short term? What do I hope to get out of it in the long term? So according to the Chilean cybernetician Raul Espejo, the viable system model provides a framework for designing flexible, adaptable organizations that balance external and internal perspectives and long and short-term thinking. So I'm interested in using the viable system model as a methodological framework for understanding online personal learning networks, which are related to what I want to look at in my doctoral dissertation. I want to look at online personal learning communities from an ethnographic perspective, or in other words, the way a cultural anthropologist would look at it. I think I'll be able to use VSM to understand the networks that people create as a part of their personal learning environment, and from there I'll be able to look at the interpersonal relationships within that community, which is what really interests me. So we're almost out of time for this episode, but there's a lot more that I want to talk about concerning cybernetic management and the viable system model, as well as variety attenuators and the recursive nature of the viable system model and cybernetic management in general. So, like I said earlier in the introduction, my plan is to revisit this topic in part two of the episode, where I will provide some more examples and explain a little bit more about the mechanics of the viable system model. With that said, what do you think of the viable system model? Does it seem like something that could be used for evaluating personal learning networks to you? Is Stafford Beer awesome or what? Send your answers my way, along with any other questions or comments you might have about past episodes, as well as suggestions for future episodes you might have, to teachertalkwithzachclancy.com. You can get a hold of me on the Colab Corner page. You can also reach me at teachertalkwzc at gmail.com. Please follow me on Twitter at teachertalkwzc and Facebook at teachertalkwithzachclancy. Also, if you could review me in the iTunes store, that would be wonderful because reviews are used to determine chart listings and chart listings 
can really boost listener numbers. So that would be great if you could go into the iTunes store and give me a review. Um, That's all for this week's show. I'm Zach Clancy. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.